Welcome to Cast 9. On this episode, I spoke with Ross Blotcher and Carrie Poppy about their investigations and adventures. They showed up so you could listen. You can find them every week on their podcast, Oh No, Ross and Carrie. Ross, Carrie, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. Well, I wanted to have you guys on the show because you guys are science enthusiasts and investigators. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys do? Yes. Sure. So uh, we are Ono, Ross, and Carrie. I am the Ross half. And uh, we both share an interest in fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. Uh, it kind of brought us together as friends in the first place. And uh, both Carrie and I really enjoy getting that first person experience and uh, tr trying it out for ourselves and uh, just engaging with the beliefs and uh, seeing what happens, seeing how they're described, how they're expressed. So we go and join various groups. We try alternative medical treatments. We put ourselves in uh, what most people would consider awkward situations. And then we just share it with uh, our audience. We talk about uh, what we encountered and we have fun and hopefully never at the expense of well-meaning people. Yeah. So a lot of our investigations are short term. Um, so what we'll probably be talking with you about are our fringe science investigations. So um, a lot of them are, are things like getting acupuncture or getting fire cupping or doing um, uh, walking across hot coals. But we also do these in-depth investigations of fringe groups where we'll go undercover in Scientology for a few months or in a UFO group. And these will last for several months at a time. So we really run the gamut of unlikely claims. Very nice. So how did you guys get into this type of investigation? Well, originally, I, <laughs> it was just Carrie wanting to invite a bunch of our mutual friends to a Kabbalah meeting. and Like you do. Like you do. And that seemed like a great idea to me, but nobody else wanted to go. They thought that was kind of a waste of our time. But then when we got back, everybody was asking uh, what happened and <laughs> wanted all these details and we're like, Oh, now you're curious. And, uh, and so that was kind of the light bulb moment. But I think even before then, uh, you know, Carrie was, was training as a journalist at the time. She's a journalist now. And I was already a member of the independent investigations group, which, um, offers a cash prize to people who can demonstrate claims of the paranormal. So I think we already both had an investigative bent, uh, and, and I think my initial foray out of my background of being a, a Christian believer was also kind of, uh, driven by me. Oh, sorry. That, that was me. That was me. Okay. Sorry. It's off. No worries. Um, that my, uh, my journey away from faith was also kind of driven by me, uh, just traipsing into meetings of people I disagreed with and, and listening to them. So I think we already both had this bent that predisposed us to uh, just want to go hear things from other people. And it just happened to work out in an entertaining format for us to make a podcast out of it. Hmm. So whose idea was it to, to make the podcast? I think it was mutual. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> the, the way I remember the conversation is like, 
me saying it and then Ross saying, you know, I've had, I've had that idea for a while. So, I mean, you know, any of us could lay claim to it. And then when we, we brought our buddy Ian in and told him the idea and he loved it and he came up with the name. So mm -hmm. we all can kind of lay claim to little elements of this thing's genesis. Yeah, nice. So everybody contributed their piece. Yeah. Nice. Um, so my next question is, so when you're investigating something that you know has like absolutely no scientific backing behind it at all, is it ever difficult to walk the line between kind of being as nice and as generous to the claim as possible, but also not sounding like you're endorsing it in any way? You know, it's funny. So often we're asked sort of the opposite, <laughs> the opposite of this question, like, how do you... Um, how do you uh, ask these questions without coming off like a jerk? And mm. you're asking, how do you ask these questions without coming off to uh, endorsey? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, which is so interesting. You know, different people will hear our show and take totally different things from it. You know, some people will say, oh, you, you came down too hard on those people. Um, uh, or, you know, you went too soft on those people. Um uh, but, you know, hopefully we land in the middle, which is, uh, you know, what we usually hear and what we're glad we usually hear. But, uh, yeah, you know, of course, that's the work of, of uh, an investigator or a journalist is to walk this line where you get as close to objectivity as you can, while also being honest about being a real person who has their own real views, right? We're not robots who <laughs> just mm -hmm. walk in and are able to just be like, oh, here is the evidence. Uh, I have processed it. <laughs> you know, Of course, we go in with our own point of view and we try to just be honest about what that point of view is. Um, yeah. But, I, but yeah, um, that's, that's a hard thing to do for sure. Sorry, go ahead, Ross. Yeah, it definitely is. And and like Carrie was saying, I think a lot of people will come into uh, listening to our investigation and expect a certain outcome or they really want to hear a particular perspective. And so we do hear it from both sides. And it's interesting that some people will tell us, oh, you're going way too soft on this claim. And others will say, oh, you're being way too dismissive of this claim. Uh, and so I, I don't think you can avoid that when people have those kind of preconceptions and what they're planning to hear. Um, and, and I don't, I wouldn't even say we really try too hard to find that middle ground. I think we just kind of honestly share our perspective and, uh, mm -hmm. and hopefully it feels sensible. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah. I kind of thought about that question from different angles and I wanted to ask something a, a little different, but I'll go ahead and ask it from the other side too. Um, was there anything that you thought was going to be like complete pseudoscience uh, that you actually, you know, changed your mind about or you thought was, uh, you know, actually kind of sensible at the end? Yeah. And, and that has sort of happened. Um, I mean, nothing, nothing yet where we've gone in and, and you know, had our entire worldview demolished. But um, but there are a couple of things that have changed our minds. Ross often brings up how speed reading like really surprised him. Mm hmm. Do you want to talk about that a little, Ross? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we took a speed reading class, and I went in there expecting, you know, them to say you could read through a book in, you know, uh, five minutes or something. It's like the Woody Allen joke. Oh, I read War and Peace. It was about Russia. And uh, <laughs> um, let's see. And so I, I was kind of expecting it to be pure pseudoscience, and and certainly I still don't believe that you know people can read it that pace where you're sort of flipping pages. But in the class, I learned all of these 
just really sensible tactics for being more efficient about reading. And I think it removed some barriers for me and it actually inspired me to read more. And as a result, I've been reading almost at, you know, double the rate that I was reading before, even if my speed isn't much faster. <laughs> well, hey, well, at least I'd encourage you to read. Yeah. And, and I can look back at that moment and say, you know, that had a real effect on me. Uh, recently, we had an investigation with the Seventh-day Adventists where uh, they were talking about why they are vegetarian. And it inspired me to finally say, you know what, that's it. I, I should really be consistent with my own uh, thoughts on this matter and just be vegetarian. If they can do it, so can I. And, you know, all of these other sensible arguments uh, had affected me on one level, but hadn't made me actually make that change. So, uh, <laughs> and, and Carrie alone didn't just convince you? <laughs> no, I right. love it. I think that's hilarious. I mean, I just love that, that, <laughs> that, that that's the thing that did it. I think that's the perfect, uh, perfect detail on that story. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So what's the most fun you guys have ever had on an investigation? Oh, for me, I think it's laughter yoga. Yeah. That, that immediately sprang to mind. You can't have more fun than laughing uh, hysterically with a, a group of strangers. Yeah, laughter yoga is wild. Another one that always comes to mind is Bob Larson's exorcism seminars. Uh huh. Yeah, that's a really good time, especially if you get chosen for an exorcism. And so that's a real good time. Um, <laughs> what did you do? Did you have like something in mind that you were going to do if you were called up there? Yeah, well, after the after the sort of main event, you can hang around and go off to one of his teenage exorcists and and sort of speak with them one on one about your issues and they'll perform a little mini exorcism on you. And so I I went and talked to a young woman and told her, well, I took I took one of your quizzes online to see if I was possessed. And it said that I scored high on your possession index and now I'm concerned. And what do you think? And so she did kind of a, a mini exorcism on me and then determined that I was too serious a case and I needed to do a special exorcism with Bob himself. So that that was really fun. But it wasn't one of the thrashing and moaning exorcisms, I think mostly because it was me and I wasn't playing along. And yeah, I mean, I, I by that, I mean, I was trying to be honest, <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to play the role because I wasn't feeling it, but, um, but oh man, yeah, the, those exorcism seminars are something else to watch. <laughs> and we have a lot of fun too. Just anytime we get hit with the absurdity of a particular moment that we're caught in, uh, one moment that springs to mind is when we are at the Raelian Happiness <laughs> Academy and they had a meditation going on and they'd had music in the background, but they wanted to amp it up a notch. And so the music transitioned and they started playing a song from the Lion King and <laughs> Carrie and I just burst out laughing and we couldn't stop uh, just because of the absurdity of <laughs> that music and all the other associations now being laid on top of this uh, meditation focus on the ancient aliens. Right. And it wasn't like, uh, I just can't wait to be king or anything. It was like the score from the Lion King. So obviously <laughs> they thought they thought none of us would recognize it as the oh, Lion King. Great. But Ross and I are huge Disney nerds. Oh, so we yeah, spotted we, we it <laughs> immediately. So in this very somber moment, we're both picturing like Mufasa coming through the clouds and being like, 
You are the Remember one. Remember who king. you are. <laughs> <laughs> we just both like lost our shit. <laughs> it was great. We've now uh, learned when cool. we can't look at each other. Yeah. 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 Nice. <laughs> All right. So you've somewhat recently added in the hot drink scale. So if you were going to retroactively apply the hot drink scale, what investigation do you think would win? Oh, where do we get the most hot drinks, Ross? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I don't know. This is a stronger scale for Carrie. Uh, I remember even going back to uh, Kabbalah, they had hot drinks mm-hmm. ready on tap for us. Well, no, wait, wasn't it that they promised hot drinks and then didn't have them? And that's how we. Oh, that's, maybe. I think that, that's why we made the stink because they had promised that they would have hot drinks. And oh, then, goodness. And okay. then it was empty. I think that's what it was. Uh, have we had any exemplary hot drink providers? I'm trying to think. Are there any places that we got a lot of. Oh! Didn't the Sikhs have a bunch of nice teas? I believe so. Yeah. The, yeah. They were very generous with food in general. Yeah. I think they had, uh, I think they gave us chai. Mm, chai. Yeah. Chai is my favorite. Yeah. So it may have been them. I'm trying to think if there was anyone else. I mean, uh, I got to see a lot of hot fluids <laughs> shoved up Ross's butt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that's, that. That's that's that, that gets a thumbs down still. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that falls at the top of the hot drink scale. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the, the Mormons definitely don't win on that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Poor Mormons. Bad for the body and belly. But can't they drink hot chocolate or something? They can. They can have hot chocolate. Yeah, the ones we spoke to anyway. I think some of the, you know, really hardcore ones are like, no, 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 you're being silly. But yeah, sort of the mainstream ones. <laughs> nice. Um, so one of my favorite episodes that you guys have is the one where you tried the hangover cure. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah. So the idea with the hangover remedies is they're essentially uh, aspirin, right, Carrie? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember what that one was. It, yeah, it, it, uh, was it aspirin? And let's see, we could probably look it up. It was called Blowfish Remedy, right? Yeah, that was the particular product that we were trying. So the idea is that you get stinking drunk and then you take Blowfish and it will make your hangover go away quickly. Yes, and um, uh, poor Ross uh, did not do great. I don't drink very often, and I drink a lot. And uh, yeah, I I remember throwing up on Carrie's floor. At least there's photographic <laughs> evidence of me doing that. You can you can hear it on the episode, Ross. <laughs> yeah, poor right. poor Ian Kramer. He's our producer. He has a uh, I don't know if phobia is the right word, but he has an extreme dislike of hearing people retching, and so we had to warn him about that one. Okay. Yeah, it has. Um... Uh, yeah, it does have an NSAID in it, um, so probably probably aspirin. Uh, it has uh, aspartame, sodium bicarbonate, uh, sodium benzoate. So yeah, I guess this is like basically um, uh, an over-the-counter thing that people have had for a century. You've been able to get this this powder. Um, that that everyone's gotten for a long time but yeah the the most important thing in it is aspirin um 
And, and you, it, you could very easily make your own version of it for much cheaper than it's offered in the, the blowfish bottle. Right. And then it's also effervescent. So, you know, it settles your stomach a little bit. And I think it has a little bit of caffeine in it. Um, but yeah, um, surprisingly, we didn't feel much better. Um, <laughs> and uh, Ross was really, really sick. I was pretty sick. And um, we both uh, were very sorry that we had drunk so much. Uh, but these are the <laughs> kinds of things we do to ourselves for science. Yeah, that episode's a pretty great episode. And it'll give our uh, listeners something to listen to when they go find your podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this actually, this reminds me of another um, fringe science investigation we did also involving alcohol. We, we once overdosed on homeopathic pills where we each took something like 60 or 100 um, sleeping pills. But don't worry, they were homeopathic sleeping pills <laughs> uh, and chased them with wine. And, you know, if sleeping pills, if homeopathic sleeping pills did what they said they do, this would have killed us. But we were both completely fine because homeopathy has nothing in it. <laughs> nice. All right, guys. So from your perspective, what do you think? Um, why do you think scientific literacy and critical thinking are, are important? I, I would say because we're just awash in so much information. And nowadays, like there's more information available. You can get on the Internet um, and you can find everything so easily. And there's great resources, but there's also readily available bad resources. And uh, just to navigate all of that is really difficult. And so I think scientific literacy at least gets you in the ballpark and gives you kind of a, a sniff test for what sounds right and what doesn't. And just that much preparation, I think, can help a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's right. Uh, I think today, <laughs> the first thing I said, well, it's because I was thinking – now, now the situation's so much worse. I was, I was thinking, how fine, how fine a point do I want to put on this? <laughs> the the situation is just so bad right now with scientific literacy in the U.S. in particular. There's a certain man running the country, is what I'm saying. There's a certain person in charge of things <laughs> uh, who doesn't like science and wants us all not to know about science. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, uh, the more that we all understand science and are able to combat bad information, uh, the more we can dig ourselves out of that hole. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I never thought that it would be incumbent on people like me and Ross or other people fighting bad information to, um, to fix that situation, but I'm starting to think our jobs are like infinitely more important than I once thought they were. And yeah, uh, a thing that every citizen should be picking up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So guys, in what way do you think your investigations would be different if you were coming at it from maybe a different point of view? Like if you didn't come through it with like the scientific hmm. uh, angle. That's interesting. I'm, you know, I would say in some way, they would be very similar because we'd just be describing our experience. But I think the way we describe it is so tightly interwoven with our particular um, reaction to what we're being told and our foundation where we're coming from that we're comparing all of these claims against. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think you could have a Ross and Carrie that was from 
a more, uh, for lack of a better word, credulous perspective, and it could still be interesting and you'd still learn a lot. Uh, I think we just kind of provide our own layer of reaction and explanation on, on top of it. Uh, that you wouldn't have if we weren't a you know critical thinking show. <laughs> uh, you definitely wouldn't have your pseudoscience meter, right? But we could still have uh, you know creepiness and pocket drainer and danger <laughs> and hot drinks <laughs> and hot drinks. Yeah, I think I think there's a solid half of the show uh, that is just about us having a good time, and that that half is just as important. Um, we we love doing this stuff, and I think the driving force of doing it is that we love the experience, love the people, and we really just are kind of experienced junkies. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are things that come up in my daily life that we don't talk about on the show, um, but that I'm just like, oh, I want to. I don't know, there will be something to do in LA that I'm like, oh, no one else will do this with me but Ross. Um, (laughs) But, you know, there's no unusual claim involved, so we can't do it for the show. Uh, But my buddy Ross is the only person who would ever do this with me because it's just like a stupid experience. Uh, One thing that comes to mind is there's this this huge uh, slide that they're building in downtown LA that's like 30 stories or something. And people keep suing the city for it because uh, they keep bumping into the sides of it and getting concussions and stuff. And no one wants to go on this thing, but I'm like, of course I want to go on it. It's a 30 story slide. Ross will go with me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, See, there you go. Um, But we're just like both experienced junkies and this sounds great to us. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah. So there's that aspect of our personalities where we both just love to do to do stuff. And I think that partly drives the show and that would be there no matter what. And we both love people and we both love the uh, personality driven side of the show. And I think that's really the heart of the show. And I think part of why the show works is that there's this melding of, of heart and minds to put it in the cheesiest way possible. <laughs> no, it's not cheesy at all. Uh, I think you guys do a great job of not only just cerebrally connecting and reaching the mind, but also reaching the heart. And yeah, I think you, you guys are, are doing a pretty great job of that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. So when you guys are preparing your show, do you guys have a central idea or theme um, or like a, a, a message that you try to prepare it to your show or anything like that? That's a good question. I, I feel like on some level we really don't try to achieve a certain message that it's like it, let's say you're making like a, a show for kids or something. And if you say, ah, what do you need to make for kids? Uh, you're going to make a terrible show that's going to be insulting to kids. You know, if you try to like just plan it out in advance and I've seen shows like that. And, uh, and so I, I feel like if you, you kind of start from a perspective of here's what we really need to educate people on, or here's what people need to take away. I think then there's a danger there that you'll kind of be talking down to people or just, I don't know, speaking out of an agenda or something. Uh, the, the most important point is just to make something that we enjoy doing. The Now, that all said, uh, obviously, there are things I hope people will take away from our show. And, and one is uh, just to not uh, – for the stakes to be low to have these conversations, that you can talk about belief and that you mm-hmm. can talk about other people's ideas and just not have it be a threat threatening thing. You know, they don't have to feel like they're on guard. 
Um, you can just be genuinely curious and exchange ideas and no one gets hurt in the exchange and you can all still be friends. I guess that would be one of my takeaways. Yeah, I agree. I thought the same thing. I thought, oh, I don't really have anything to teach because because uh, partly because when we started the show, we didn't know what it would be. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we went to the Kabbalah Center and we had no idea what our experience would be. So we didn't you know, know what we would be teaching people about it. Um, and we still went and made an episode about it. So we definitely didn't have like some big life lesson to give. Um, but yeah, the things that I've taken actually like sort of are, are almost contradictory, which I think is good because life is contradictory. <laughs> and so, so, I mean, you know, all our, our, all our life lessons end up being pragmatic. We're all just kind of working these algorithms of different life lessons that, you know, uh, <laughs> kind of meet in the middle. But um, one lesson is on some level, there is no other. We're all kind of, you know, work, working with the same human apparatus, trying to figure it out. And everyone you meet in all these groups are somewhat like you. They're not going to be weird aliens who, you know, are, are um, totally out to lunch. Like every, every group that we go to, these people are pretty normal. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time... Mm-hmm. Um, every group seems to pull different types of people. Like when we went to Scientology, there was a very specific kind of person who wanted, wanted Scientology. It was the person who longs for structure and wants like everything to be sort of spelled out for them and, um, and needs uh, sort of authoritarianism in their life. And, um, and, um, and that really struck me because I, I was like, oh, you know, I, I kind of wanted every religion to be kind of the same and to be very, um, touchy feely and, uh, oh, every religion just gives you community. And that really woke me up. I was like, oh, wow, no, uh, like Scientology gives you something totally different. And I, and I kind of had to face that. Oh, this, this is a really different thing. Okay. Um, so so those two ideas are kind of contradictory, right? Uh, we're all the same, but we're all very different. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, as the show continues, I find myself learning all these different lessons and, and having to marry them all and land somewhere in the middle. And if I tried to teach them all, I would find myself just exhausted all the time. So I guess I just let the listener take what he or she will and say, that is your job. (laughs) And one other thing I think people can take away is just, you know, from hearing about not only religions and beliefs and ideas and practices and fads and diets, et cetera, um, that they know about, but also hearing all of these others, because, you know, we jump around from topic to topic, I think it gives people this automatic kind of almanac that they can look up to compare uh, ideas with. So when they hear someone, well, well, here's an example. When, oh, you know, we recently ran into some vendors selling protectors for your cell phone that uh, are supposed to shield you from harmful radiation. 
to prove this to us, to show us how effective it was, they use the applied kinesiology test where you stand on one foot and put your arms out. And immediately, Carrie and I, you know, could look at each other and be like, okay, well, we know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. This is, this is fraud. This is just lying. And, and I think that uh, us talking about all of these things in the various different forms they come in will sort of inoculate people. So when someone comes to them with a different kind of claim and says, hey, stand on one foot, they'll immediately know like, oh, okay, I haven't heard about this particular use of this idea before, but I know what you're doing. And, uh, and that'll play out, I think, in, in other areas as well, when they hear a certain idea presented a certain way, that they can then quickly compare it against something else that uh, maybe wasn't the same uh, the same idea, but presented in a similar way. Right, right. Yeah, I think it does provide a good record and some context for ideas like the, um, well, like the the power balance bracelet that uh, use the those same applied kinesiology techniques that were, um, for lack of a better word, uh, thoroughly um, debunked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one debunked is fair. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really uh, appreciate you taking the, the time to be here. Yeah, Thanks for having sure. us. <laughs> no problem. Take care, guys. Special thanks to Night Moves for letting us use their song Carl Sagan as our intro and outro music. They have their music on iTunes, and I recommend that you go buy their new Carl Sagan EP or their Penny Days album. Thanks for listening. Yeah.